0: You're listening to the Sauropod. I'm Justin Zeppa. And I'm Dettevoss Bergman. And this is Reykjavik Tonight. Hi everybody, welcome to today's game. This is a very important matchup. Team USA against Iceland in what could be a preview of the championship game. driving around in convertibles talking to all the sponsor fools or hanging with the Iceland lady. We saw you two Saturday night, eating ice cream with the enemy, huh, coach? What? Are you kidding? I want to go to the party and put on funny hats and be obnoxious and talk too loud and get stoned. i pull the American image abroad. Yeah! Woo! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go the Oh, Kwasaya Binder! Oh de Lyon Yeah. the farmers are uh they have reported in again and and uh everything is going well with the farmers. Oh, g- glad to hear. All, th- all three of them? Yes, so all uh, had a record amount of uh, of inseminations of the sheep for okay. for the season. <laughs> okay. So the the future sweater volume will be as uh, anticipated, right? Indeed, indeed. Okay, great. Uh so that is very good. Uh there was one sort of uh, less, uh, less uh, happy farmer, but uh, oh, no, uh, in the in the north or in the west. It was the it was the west one. Oh he, uh, shit! He, um, he lost two two sheep to the to reindeer the, to the, the reindeer. Yeah, no, the, wait, the reindeer are in the east, aren't they? That's what. It well, was. these were uh, stray reindeer. Oh, these were the ones that came stray on the ice. reindeer. The, oh, oh shit! Hashtag. Uh, Strain Deer. Strain Deer. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Um, so you may have noticed the the fantastic introduction. We just found out, though, that Detafoss... This is Detafoss Bergman uh, on the other side of the table for me. My name is Justin Zeppa. You are listening to Reykjavik Tonight on the Sauropod. It may or may not mean shit. Who knows? And we so the the intro features sound bites from the infamous Mighty Ducks 2, D2 Mighty Ducks 2, a Walt Disney production, all rights reserved. Are you shaming me here? No, I'm not. I just wanted you to know, I guess we should discuss that, by and large, in the United States, the only knowledge we have of you and your culture comes from D2, The Mighty Ducks, which is a sequel to, of course... Emilio Estevez's *The Mighty Ducks* was that called D one? That was not, but they may have been a D one, which is sport talk for division. Oh, so if you were not aware, which apparently you've never seen either of these masterpieces, I have. Uh, I have been aware of them in the form of references and parodies? Oh, has it been parodied? I'm assuming so. I mean, easily done. That's well, what I would say. I would assume uh, like most of my knowledge of films that I've not seen and, and other culture, it comes through The Simpsons. Okay, then you were definitely spot on with all of that. They usually <laughs> nail it. No need to repeat it here or even try to... I, I once tried to watch the... The Citizen Kane film, and it just felt odd. It felt <laughs> you were used to an animated... Yeah, an uh, animated references. form in, in, in like two-minute segments of, of the film. I oh, think, okay. all in all, The Simpsons have actually covered the whole, whole film of Citizen Kane. I think that's probably accurate. If not, most of the Western canon at this point, it's season 20-something... 30 or 40 i think oh my god what are they doing whatever that's fine but enjoy yourself i think it's enjoy more uh, an indication of how old we are i guess so mm. do you remember how old are you by the way i'm 56 okay <laughs> you look fantastic you I'm don't look 56 f- because i like how the numbers seven and eight multiply together is oh okay that is math I believe, right? When you take numbers and you manipulate them, that equals mathematics. Yes. (laughs) You take, so multiplication works like this you take, like, the numbers that are next to each other uh, and multiply them together. And,. That equates to the two numbers before them. Uh, that's called a uh, a prime number, right? Yes, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, Icelandic years, of course, are in uh, seven years in Iceland are the same as one year anywhere else. It has to do with the fact that Iceland is closer to the sun. Uh, it's, it's because of the, of the pole. It's pole uh, the North Pole. We're closer to the North Pole, so we spin faster around the around the. That's what I figured. That's that's Einsteinian uh, relativity, is it not? Uh, uh, in relative fluidity okay again with the fluids yes, very indeed. key to living here yes speaking Seriously. of which obviously <laughs> i mean i didn't need i even say it we are re- recording here in again bustling downtown gravo district e <laughs> <laughs> reykjavik uh mm-hmm. have a wave at the people outside the studio of course hi look at them they came all the way from Des Moines Iowa that's a great just sign. to look at the studio window just to come take a take a peek at us and they have made this excellent sign to uh they've taken the time they've taken the time to make they've the drawn pictures of us and uh, they're quite lifelike they are they actually look better than we do currently yeah, yeah. So are, maybe we should actually uh, have them. Uh, have them do an oil portrait for us. For the gallery. For the studio. The studio gallery, Eldhuset Studios, featuring the oil portrait gallery with uh, several musical luminaries, people we know, people we don't know, which is unusual, but it's how we do things. So, real quick, just to get back to, to cover it, uh, D2, The Mighty Ducks, are you familiar with anything about this? I mean, because this is how your culture has been shared with mm. uh, 330 million people. We, we were the villains, right? You were. You were a hockey team. Of course, uh, which implies that that's probably what one eighth of your entire population was involved with the making of that film. Yeah, we were uh, with the two lines and everything, and probably a backup goalie. I mean, that's yeah. m- most of uh, Akurevich, right? Yeah, that's all of Akurevich. Actually, okay. they had to uh, hire some people from Husavik. Uh, oh shit! Yeah. Okay, so you guys came in. We're playing the uh, the world's uh, the, the the junior world goodwill games, something like that. Uh, these Mighty Ducks, by the way, they're just a, a group of uh, scamps, misfits, if you will, that come from uh, the backwater of Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. That's the native pronunciation of Minnesota. Uh, the Twin Cities, in fact. Probably they're from St. Paul, the rougher side of the tracks. All right. Is that uh, anyway related to Apex Twin? Oh, the legendary Apex, Apex Twin, the... Most singular of all the twins I've ever heard of, indeed, capable of sanding the gears on all of his steel wheels. Mm, yes, for a living, and people. Now, this is something I've heard: uh, the Twin Cities. Uh, I don't know what it is. Okay, so it's it's basically. And I don't, I only know this uh, being from from Michigan. I my knowledge of other is states that not the same place is limited. No, Minnesota and Michigan are. By many accounts, similar. If you if you were dropped in the middle of either of them and looked around, you'd be like, I, guys, I, this is a it's a wash, it's a gimme." I don't know. I have no mm. idea where it could be either. Well, the only thing I know about uh, Michigan is that it's shaped like a glove. Yeah, that's apparently a thing. So you've perhaps had the experience of when yet yeah, you've just done it. You pointed <laughs> it at your hand. So for for the listeners who are not from Michigan, if you meet a Michigander, and that is what we are called. Sorry. You and ask ask them where they are from in Michigan, and they will hold up their, their little paw, and they will point at a place on on their hand somewhere because that's the shape. Kind of, I always thought it kind of looked like somebody in a parka reading a book. Myself, mm-hmm. what how about if they live in the in the upper part? In the upper part, you can do that with the other hand, and it looks kind of like this. So you're connecting your lower down below middle finger with the. Uh, the thumb of your other hand, and that equals the Upper Peninsula. I see. I hope uh, our listeners are, are tuning in on our live feed on uh, on Instagram. <laughs> to see this deep dive into cartography, hand yeah. cartography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, so the twin cities are, are Minneapolis and St. Paul, two cities that are next to each other. Hmm. I don't know why they weren't just made one city. The, my only information comes from the few times I went to visit my grandparents who lived out there for a piece. Uh-huh. It was a great time. You go to the see the see see the twins. I remember there was a restaurant where you could eat peanuts inside and just drop the shells right on the floor. Outrageous. That's how they do things in Minnesota. I think somebody was just lying to you. I think somebody was just being an asshole to the poor (laughs) staff at the restaurant. So they like hockey. Michigan also likes hockey. Again, very confusing. So you've got Mighty Ducks, the most famous. What's the the Michigan uh, hockey team? They were the Michigan Red Wings. No, they are the Detroit Red Wings. And Detroit for a piece was actually uh, billed itself as being Hockey Town. And there were some unfortunate (laughs) songs like Hey, Hey, Hockey Town. (laughs) <laughs> Which is hilarious because for many years, for uh, for the first, I would say, fifteen years of my life, anyway, the Red Wings were nicknamed the Dead Wings because they were mm. no good. And then they came around, uh, won some Stanley Cups. That would be the prize that professional hockey players. Stanley Cup, the Stan- that Lord Stanley's Cup. like uh, the name of uh, a menstruation uh, device. <laughs> According to some of the photographs I've seen of post-Stanley Cup victory celebrations, you're not too far off. That cup goes in some crazy places. (laughs) Not appropriate for for podcasting broadcasting, which is Uh, not broadcasting at all. Listeners, please uh, avert your eyes. Yes. Again, in this very visual medium of podcasting. So hockey, people loved hockey. There was a it was a hot time for hockey because you had this guy named Wayne Gretzky, right? I actually know his name. You know his name? I used to play a game called NHL. I don't know seven or something. Fuck yeah, that's one of the great. (laughs) And I know we've talked about uh, video games. And while this is not an episode of Explain to Me Video Games, I will say that I have played NHL 95, maybe was the one, 95, 96, and that for the old PC, it was kick-ass, and I was always the Los Angeles Kings because I wanted to be the captain, the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Ah, yes. (coughs) Again, that would be golf. That was not an episode of Explaining Me Video Games, but that was an episode of, remember the sound from Lee Trevino's Fighting Golf. So Wayne Gretzky was very popular, and there, it, was a, it was a great time to be a hockey fan because there were all these great players, a uh, Claude Lemieux, maybe I actually Luke remember that Robitaille, name as well. of course, because they would be all over that that particular it's the video same game. Same fucking game, no shit, man. <laughs> Steve Eiserman, remember Steve oh, Eiserman? Yeah, I do actually. Yep, he was a Detroit Red Wing. Oh yeah, you're he, blowing my mind. He hailed from Hockeytown, yeah. So. Anyway, the the NHL was expanding. Uh, Wayne came from the Edmonton Oilers and and came down to the LA Kings, and it was a huge deal. You can watch a thirty for thirty on ESPN if you were so inclined. Or don't? I, who cares this was several years ago? But it's a great episode. You can watch this. Can we find press this happens. on uh, ESPN.3030.com? Uh, yeah, I believe you can, and that's that's the exact. You put that in. There's a combination of H's and P's that goes before it, of course, with random punctuation. But I'm sure you've you've used computers before. Yeah. I am. And so the Mighty Ducks are representing America in the Junior Goodwill Games. They go to Los Angeles, of all places. Mm. Uh, again, it's a try- perfect place for a for, for a hard for ice drink. hockey. <laughs> exactly. When you think L.A., you think snowy sport. Yeah, exactly. snowy Canadian-based sport. And uh, they they run into the wicked Icelandic team, which is wicked as an evil, not wicked as an awesome. Yeah, a little bit of both actually. Column uh-huh. A, column B. Yeah. Uh, it's Iceland. You guys were wearing. Of course, being the symbolic and literal villains, you were wearing all black. Obviously. With a Viking head on your jersey, as they're known. As is the tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys are very into your Viking culture, by the way. I don't know if you're aware of this, but... <laughs> oh, yes. I, I love my Viking culture so much. You take it very seriously. Yeah, I mean, I mean, out of all the things that uh, that I love in my life, raping and pillaging is just uh, really at the top of the list. Hey, friend, your culture, not mine. <laughs> I guess that's what we would call culture change. So, anyway, uh, basically, you guys clean our clock the first time around, and then the Ducks have to go off in LA and pick up some folks who also play street hockey, and uh, they join the team, and we conquer your your evilness uh, in the end, and then we sing Queen songs. Obviously, right. So, you sing British songs in the end. Yeah, that makes plenty of sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Culture Clash! Speaking of which, now that we've covered that, now that you have basically seen the entirety of D2, The Mighty (laughs) Ducks... I'm actually quite excited about this. I might uh, try and look for a screening in a local theater because we do lag a little bit behind in in our culture here. That's true. It might actually be screened at at this very moment. It came out in the, uh, I want to say, early to mid-90s, 93 maybe? Mm. Seems about right. Yeah. And so you should be receiving it. Within this decade, I would think. Yeah, by facts. Uh, truthful question here. Do they ever screen that here? I have no idea. Is that well known here? Uh, that you the villains in Mighty Ducks too. I really have no idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are from Iceland, correct? Uh, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> I guess we have our answers. But speaking of Queen, did you not go see... Bohemian Rhapsody in I, the theater and can you tell me your thoughts on it? I very much enjoyed it. yes, it's uh, I would call it more like a handbook on how to be uh, an awesome uh, awesome queen, which Freddie I'm presuming we're speaking of clearly was. He was indeed. At least if, if Rami Malek's performance is, is anything to go by. Now, were you familiar with, with Mr. Ramek uh, in the Mr. Robot? I was indeed. Realm? Okay, because uh, I watched the first season and a half of that. It was all right. Uh, it was okay. Uh, yeah, There's nothing like uh, Freddy. His his character there is, is com- no. like the complete <laughs> yeah, yeah. opposite of Freddy. <laughs> Mr. Robot was not necessarily the most flamboyant <laughs> role one could take. No. Uh, but But certainly... It shows range if you can go from that to Indeed. Hello My Beauties at <laughs> Wembley, right? Yeah. So now there was my understanding that I have not seen it yet. We do we do have plans to go check it out and being a a, a lover of Queen, I want to be a part of this. But I've heard the critiques Mm. From the so-called experts Ugh. from down south, if you experts. will, Experts. from the city yeah. with all their city knowledge, they're cool. saying that some things in the timeline here are a little funky, and yeah. it takes away from the experience. That's like when people try and uh, try and adapt a book to a film, and 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 think that it's the same medium. That's bullshit. It's not. Mm, no, film is a uh, is a music, and and book <laughs> is a painting. <laughs> so. Uh, you may have contradicted yourself there at some point because we've clearly established in previous episodes, or maybe a part of this episode, depends on the edit, <laughs> that music is clearly an oil portrait. <laughs> appropriate situation. Yeah. No, no, I, I mean of course it didn't really follow the timeline, but well, I mean that's uh, for brevity's sake, I think. Uh, I wouldn't sure. want to stand there for a whole whole I don't know, how long Queen's career lasted, but it was a fair fair amount of time, yeah. some years, some decades some even, probably 15 years I would guess. I would guess like, even longer. When did he die? Yeah, 89? 91. 91? No, November 24th actually. Wow. Okay. So, you you know the date? Yeah, I looked it up. Oh, did you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> was it a Thursday? Because it might have been Thanksgiving. Uh, I believe it was, yeah. Oh, my God. You just made that up. Yeah. You don't know that. <laughs> but anyway, this would be the... Uh, maybe this episode is dedicated in honor because it's probably going to come out in late November, I would imagine. So, yeah. maybe this is in tribute to uh, the death of Freddie. May he uh, rest in peace in fabulous outfits. Oh. What's your favorite phase of Freddie Mercury? It's the checkered suit. The checkered suit. Now, are you talking about the skin-tight body, like the harlequin look? Yes. Look? Okay, yeah, mine too. Yeah, mine it's too. the best one. Oh, man. Now, I, I g- do appreciate the, uh, the cross-dressing and all that, but the checkered suit is just... Uh, it's just the best. When I want he, one. Because it would fit me, uh, because my belly would just... <laughs> There's there's a, there's already a hole for my belly so I don't even need to make one. Okay. Great. So this is now this is, was he wearing this in the Bohemian Rhapsody video if I'm not mistaken? Mm. Cuz I think it maybe not. Maybe it's a no, different I think it's a different one, yeah. Skin tight body jumpsuit, but at some point in one of the videos, my recollection is he stands up from the piano mid rhapsody and and reveals himself in this sort of painted-on lycra situation, yes. that he's, this a, it's a lycra situation. I it think, is a lycra situation, <laughs> and uh, should be treated as one. Yes, it should be. Please uh, handle handle with care. Indeed. Is what I would say. Indeed, I would say also runner-up outfit, probably the Wembley look, right? White trousers, no shirt. Mm. Full-on mustache, yeah, and occasionally a crown and scepter that is uh that is very true. i am I am very fond of the too small yellow jacket. yes, also from the same that's from production. the same one. yes. yeah, I yes. think it is. Yes. Ah. And uh, at a certain point, that jacket is removed, never to be seen <laughs> or from again. and it's you're just faced with uh, I think it was actually buried separately. Uh, in a separate casket and has his own headstone. So. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. Nobody else is going to wear that thing with the nah, same. I don't. I'm not know, with the I same know. panache. Yeah, oh, there we go. Look at us now. I've heard great things about the finale, which is the Live Aid production. Correct? Yeah, and basically is it, the whole thing. Is it really? They just do the the entire performance. Ah, I think it was like fifteen minutes, like twenty five <laughs> minutes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and it was was it moving? I mean, yeah, it was it. actually okay. Then again, I'm a music geek, so play me some music and and I'll I'll, uh, cry over an oil painting. (laughs) So, now this... When this movie came out and there was talk of Live Aid, do you remember Live Aid? Do you remember the experience? I do not, unfortunately. It didn't hit hit over here. Phil Collins did not play the drums in Iceland during Live Aid. The Concorde never stopped in Reykjavik, unfortunately. Uh, But, uh, no, I was... uh, being uh, 56 at this moment i'm assuming i was something like 20 something and uh you were uh, probably at work i was probably at work yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was a whole day sense. affair so that makes sense I also looked up recently. Are you aware of the, the Led Zeppelin situation at Live Aid? I actually looked it up yesterday. Did evening. you? <laughs> so you've seen it? Okay. This it is was uh, we didn't quite even talk about this. White. Uh, it's shit. Right? It's, right? it's awful. <laughs> it sounds terrible, and I hate the fact for. Okay, so for the folks at home who are, who are not <laughs> who are not plugged into the very topical subject of Live Aid, nineteen eighty-five. <laughs> Basically, this is uh, five years after Led Zeppelin breaks up, post John Bonham's. Uh, Unfortunate, untimely death. John Bonham being the heart and soul of Led Zeppelin, so it's kind of outrageous that they should get together. Mm. But John Paul Jones was there, so it's cool. Yeah, they get together to rock out. Whole lot of love. No, rock and roll. Whole lot of love, and then stairway. Yeah, and so they fly it, Phil Collins over on on a on a Concorde from from London. He played famously, apparently, uh, played both continents, both shows in Philly in north america and then uh, in uk i think he actually played three Colin shows the on the, on the whole day like uh, he played with sting as well oh did he really yeah it's like three shows I Man, phil collins i don't want to get i don't want to spin off into phil collins territory <laughs> but that's like a whole separate <laughs> evening <laughs> it, it or, really or a series or a whole season even no time just jacket or whatever his oh. situation is filled he, with timeless hits like susudio and uh mm. Something in the air tonight, and no more Phil Collins. Yeah, no, we were not going to talk about Phil Collins, and I'm going to talk about how I'm not going to talk about Phil Collins. But he ends up playing drums and filling in Bonzo's shoes basically for this Zep reunion. Robert Plant looks amazing. So you watch the video, right? Uh, actually, like, it's really quite difficult to find any, any usable footage on the internet yeah. of this because they banned it. It was so it bad. It was banned from publication. <laughs> yes. So there's the only surviving copy is like a really shit one. Yes. And it was shit to begin with. So then you take that shit several generations away, even worse. Yeah, I think they were aiming for a diamond situation where if you compress the shit enough, it'll turn into a diamond. That has not happened. It might take a couple more millennia for that to occur because it is no good. And the situation as I read it, it, because I watched it last week, I believe. I watched what I could handle. Yeah. My interpretation of that day was Robert hasn't sung these songs in a minute. He's getting a little bit up. He's he's getting a little bit older. Not quite there. But it wasn't awful. They always talk about Robert's voice being shot. I, but it was pretty shit. It's fucking James Page on the guitar. Yeah. Yeah at least drunk if not doing something else but he is all over the fucking place and then he later points the finger at Phil Collins for being the issue Phil's just (laughs) happy to be there he knows his situation like Phil's doing them them a favor and he was definitely not the worst (laughs) (laughs) no he was not and the man pointing the finger might look at those other three fingers pointed right back at him exactly and might just take a break when you're reuniting your legacy band from taking whatever you were taking, whatever dark potions you were imbibing in. I think he was snorting caffeine. <laughs> Is that what it was? Yeah, I think he so. was ephedrine. He was in, he was high on high on that. He was high on good vibes. Kids, don't do drugs. Please don't. If you need proof of that, find yourself a bootleg of Led Zeppelin at Live Aid, in 1985. <laughs> Check it out. You will be. Always disappointed. Indeed. Speaking of music, you, sir, recently had to take a brief sabbatical from the show production because Iceland Airwaves was a thing that happened. Tell me about your experience. What is this? Tell the people around the world about Airwaves. So, Iceland Airwaves is a... It's a festival of uh, hairstyles, and uh, and you go there to sort of sort of discover the latest fashion in hairstyles. Okay, so it's strictly hair based. Well, there's st- music involved as well, but uh, it's mostly about hair. It's so a vehicle and to display hair. Yeah, hair and and musical instruments. And so uh, the main take home message from Airwaves this year was uh, was that uh, the perm and the mullet are back. Well, clearly, I mean, again, I w- may I compliment you on what you the situation that you have. Thank you very much. Moist, Thank moist, you. Moist, voluminous, but yeah, there yeah. was uh, there was uh, a whole evening dedicated to perms and melons. Why uh, is this coming back? Why? Why? I mean, it's, it's I, I'm just surprised sick, like they they left at all. Uh, but uh, I would recommend thinks- the Void uh, as, as a very uh, good example of, of a perm mullet. Uh, the-, the man had a, a perm that was approximately three kilograms above above his sort of scalp and for those of you at home you can't see deos's hands right now but that is sizable yeah, yeah. You know? and and it was so sizable that he managed to uh, dye the top part of his hair without the dyed part uh, touching the scalp oh man he was shown his roots uh, no, it's trash. a, <laughs> it was Trashy just bitch. the top half of his hair was dyed the oh, no, okay. bottom half wasn't <laughs> it was quite remarkable, so it's almost as though he was picked up by a very large uh, let's say a roadie right yes, uh maybe that dude from from Game of Thrones uh, uh, the mountain right Half-thor. yeah, yeah, he's from here. he's always where I see him in town all the time, right yeah, yeah. maybe he picked him up. Upside down and kind of like dipped him like Unique. a paintbrush in a, in a in a well. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's what happened. I think that's probably it. Yeah, I think that's most likely what happened. So you went around and it, so this th- is this is what uh, this was sort of the main main thing, and I, I do recommend uh, this thing. Uh, the other take home message, which is uh, which was surprising yep. but uh, pleasantly so, is that the Kitar is back. It's <laughs> Oh my! And uh, there were uh, multiple uh, people playing the guitar when uh, when they were displaying their hairstyles. Okay, so is this the echo of the last echo of the guitar, which would have been maybe early two thousands, like Killers era? Yes, I do believe this is a a comeback. Uh, a cyclical comeback. comeback of the of the comeback. So we've really gone quick. twice round. Do people are people playing guitars? As a guitar player, I'm very invested in the future of the guitar. The guitarists, uh, the passé, it's dead. Oh my god! So, so you went around to, now. This happens in uh, Reykjavik, and it happens at various clubs, restaurants, yes. clubs, restaurants, cafes, cafes. Yeah, new stands. All of these uh, places, and. Uh, even a swimming pool. Really? Yeah. Did they empty it, or was it was it full on? Nah, it was people in the pool, and they were on the... Uh, the, the not pool part of the pool? Which is uh, probably has a very nice English name for it. Land? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cement? I know what you're saying, though. It's the part that's not in the pool. Mm-hmm. I mean, who are we... Uh, the listeners can, can fill in this. It's, it's homework for the listeners to figure out what we're trying to say here. This is a mostly a visual medium, so, yeah. so yeah. And you'll figure it out. When you find out, blast us on Twitter with it, right? Uh, Send us a Twitter blast. So, d- was there anybody else of note that we need to see or be aware of? Like, I, f- I feel, again, I love music. I don't mm-hmm. like listening to it. So, you tell me, what wow. should I be checking out? So, if we're thinking mullet-wise, uh, <laughs> Hatari... And that's the only way I'm thinking. <laughs> Hatari is a, it has a an excellent mullet. And they actually do a pretty good uh, musical Show as well, but unfortunately they had no keytar's. Okay, so it strikes against them, but they did. They put a, did they have an excellent mullet? They mocked Shao, as mm-hmm. it was said back in the day. They, they were the, how were the pants? How tight were they? It's excellent that you'd ask because the tight <laughs> uh, the pants were removed and uh, no pa- sans pants it was sans <laughs> pants there was a leather jockstrap and uh, and uh, leather harness on on the mulleted man I didn't really pay attention to anyone that hadn't it, so. it does sound like a rocking good time. It was indeed. But out of the other gigs, uh, if you actually want to look up on some Icelandic music, yeah. uh, there was like a sort of dubious keytar situation, as in <laughs> as in they had a, had a synthesizer that was strapped onto the performer, but it didn't have the necessary neck part of uh, the keytar. Okay. But I'm giving them a pass on this, and they are called the Dr. Spock. Okay. And they are quite good. Okay. So that's it's just more of a, a carry all keyboard Key- not- Yes. It's 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 definitely on the on the on the border there, but I, I'm I'm definitely giving them a pass. They are they are making the effort. Do you think it was a situation like how you know, this being an island, and, and and you get certain shipments of things. Like when you go to Hakuip, and and you see a bunch of Tostitos, and it's like, mm. oh, the fucking Tostito boat came mm-hmm. last, last week, right? And and there's a huge end cap display of that stuff. Do you think there was a run on keytars that Casio sent their shipment over, their pallet of keytars over, and there was a run on them? All the bands went out and got one, and those guys were late to the party or couldn't afford one, and this is what they're doing. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. Yeah, they they had a a, a synthesizer already and didn't have a broom handle mm-hmm. or, or gaffer mm-hmm. tape and uh, and just uh, sort of had to go with it rocking it out homemade DIY skiffle style skiffle synth skiffle synth yeah. skiffle guitar cool well th- well thanks for that uh, let's take a little break and then when we come back let's let's hit some news items oh right? yeah love it. In this day and age of climate change, opioid addiction, E. coli, lettuces, bird flus, and hoof and mouth diseases that require either vaxing or anti-vaxing, all topped off with a healthy dose of predatory lending and lendatory breading, there is much to worry about. But perhaps the most primal worry of all is the maintenance of one's torso stalk, resting ever exposed in ways both vulnerable and erotic. It's a little thing the medical community refers to as a neck and is the core element of the popular maxim, protect your neck. But while vampires may be running amok in darkened corners of the human psyche, thirsting for that sweet fluid of life that courses through our necks, the greatest threat comes from the frigid gales of wintry winds, gusting across the land for what feels like 8 out of 12 months. Solutions have been proposed, but the idea of warming one's decolletage with the continued use of a battery-operated hairdryer is impractical, and the training of a live ermine to drape itself over your shoulders and stay is simply too expensive for the average three-income household. No, the only cure for the cold that ails your jugular is the scarf, and the only cure for your lack of scarves is wool, which is why this program is brought to you by YARN. Yes, yarn. That never-ending string of meaty textile tendril is just the material needed for you to click those needles together with reckless abandon and knit together a dense webbing with which to wrap round your pulse-riddled headstand. All you need to do is get yourself an armload of freshly shorn sheep hair, scour it lightly in a gentle detergent to clean off the dead skin, dirt, and crumbs, then take that semi-greasy feast of fibers and draw it out nice and long for a trip on the old spinning jenny and roll it up into skeins to be placed in a bag next to your couch it's a process of several months if not years but your shivering throat will gasp its thanks once you've ensconced it in your newly woven stole and should you wear your yarn scarf so frequently that it gets holes in it darn that yarn with yarn darn it yarn's going to find a better solution But be sure to watch out for pilling. Remember, your body is a temple, and your neck is the dork column upon which rests the roof of your brain, overseeing the ongoing pagan rituals unfolding in the steamy chambers below. Do you see the Greeks wrapping the Parthenon in pilled-out stoles from 13 years ago? Fuck no. Be good to yourself and burn that old yarn in a rusty oil drum before starting the process anew. It's totally worth the exposure to lanolin fumes if you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, nice muffler. Yarn. Neck protection you can keep in a bag by your couch. Brought to you by the Spinning Jennies of Fewer Many, Chilling Plenty, and Pinching Pennies. Let's do some, uh, let's do some snooze. How's that sound? This is the snooze. Sauropod News. And now here's the latest from yesterday. Dateline! Probably some time ago. The Iceland Monitor says tourist steps into hot spring whilst watching northern lights. (laughs) I feel like you've heard this this news. This is is not the first time I hear this news. Okay. Uh, But please go on. Well, okay. So inform our listeners. All right. Those who are gathered around the radios all over the world. Listening just like in the days of FDR from Husavik. So I'm going to start with the the caption to the photo of the Northern Lights is a standard issue with Northern Lights photo. The Northern Lights... Frightening! Yeah. The Northern Lights can pose danger if one only looks up towards the night sky. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think they, they said They do all. actually burn your eyes if you, if you look at them too hard. Well, like you said, a lot of us spend most of our, our day out and about wearing sunglasses. Exactly. Tinted glasses. Uh, and, and we try and avoid it. them the most because uh, they are quite harmful. It's... Uh they it's bad me- for the lungs, right? It's like uh, fiberglass. Yeah, it's like, insulation. It's, it's like, like like when they emerged uh, in the last century, we—that's actually the reason we had to stop living in igloos. They—they they would melt a hole in the top of our igloos. And, <laughs> that's right. And, uh, that makes sense, you know. And I always thought it was just because Iceland's a little bit closer to the sun. No no. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. It's just the it's, northern. Uh, ones. It's the igloo igloo issue. Okay. So, let's let's learn about these jackasses. A tourist's first and second degree burns from the toes to the thigh after stepping into a hot spring whilst observing northern lights in the night sky in Kverdaler, South Iceland. Did I pronounce that right? That was excellent. Takk, Fyrish. The tourist was traveling with a group in an organized northern lights trip with a coach presumably a coach means a bus in this case for you Ah. Yankees, for for the Connies out there. The man had stepped off the walking path and stepped into the hot spring. He was sent to hospital in Reykjavik where he is recovering. So this is something that happens frequently. Actually, very frequently. and uh, (laughs) So frequently, in fact, that we don't even pay attention to it anymore. (laughs) Uh, but to be absolutely honest, like uh, people come here to see the Northern Lights, and, and they sure. are upwards. They are. That's the only place you will see them, unless um, they're reflected on a surface of some kind. In which case, we could use that mirror that we had talked about before from Russia. Maybe we can get that on the close it? Somebody get Kislyak on the phone. <laughs> Um yeah, no, there's really nothing more to say about the the idiocy of, of tourists. <laughs> it is look, it is plentiful <laughs> and 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 unending. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about more local news. This seems to be uh well it says it says the word problem right in the headline. This is again from Iceland Monitor. Is it a oh, quote? It's a it's a lovely it's not in quotes, so it must be fact. <laughs> it's the Iceland Monitor, nothing's quoted. There's no <laughs> They don't deal in quotes, they deal in fact. It's kinda of take it or leave it news. Like, yeah, believe it if you'd like. Pot smoking in Reykjavik Cemetery becomes a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I actually read that one. <laughs> now again, here's I'm gonna give you the caption first because it's it's a great lead-in. Uh Holevatlegarder Cemetery. Would you pronounce it for real? Holevatlegarder. Yeah. Something like that. And then it says uh, a marijuana smoking hotspot. It seems. Mm. Okay. The manager of the old cemetery in the city center of Reykjavik says that people smoking marijuana in broad daylight there is becoming an increasing problem. The cemetery is known as the Holvatlagarder Cemetery and is situated in the western part of Reykjavik at Sudergata. The manager, Heimer Bjorn Jana um, sorry Hamer wrote a Facebook post on the West Reykjavik Neighbors Association saying that the cemetery has always been a popular spot for marijuana smoking, but that now even youngsters of school age are smoking pot there <gasps> and in broad daylight so yeah. sounds like familiar be, I feel like this might be related to a news piece we we covered uh, a few weeks ago with regards to uh to uh ashes being baked into marijuana cookies oh that's true we did get to the bottom of that didn't we we did well there were undisclosed facts that i'm i'm still waiting on i I did send in a in a query to the relevant authorities but they've yet to come back to me that's odd you'd think that they would be free and easy with that information Uh, do you think that hamer the the guy who works there do you think he, he likes to party Hamir, yeah, yeah. You think so? Yeah. Do you know so? Hamir means world? <laughs> oh, okay. So he's a man of the world. Okay. So he's he's worldly then. He's yeah. quite literally worldly. And uh, so we got you got reefer down with the dead bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, as a as I, a as a local as a native, do, do you find this offensive to be uh, smoking the devil's weed in the cemetery? Yeah, the old yeah, lettuce. It's uh, it's it's offensive it should be in the coffee houses right exactly or down by the harbor exactly (laughs) in the in the (laughs) designated marijuana locations right (laughs) all over the place here in downtown Reykjavik yes okay this is from UPI the uh it's an international news wire it stands for something I'll look it up later uh some health news for you keep it healthy okay Folks at home, it's a public service. Instant soup burns send nearly 10,000 kids to ER every year. The poll quote here is We do see instant soup and noodle burns with kids in this age group, said Dr. Michael Cooper of Staten Island University's Hospital's Burn Center. These burns are painful, but most appear to be superficial. <laughs> These burns are painful. This is sick burn, bro. This is excellent uh, news. Yeah, it's it's definitely hard news that you need to know. It reminds me of a of a, of a young man being asked uh, for a for his opinion on a, on a news article, and 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 it's a it's a it's a universal statement that he proclaimed. I like turtles. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I like that kid. That kid. <laughs> He's a genius. Yeah, he is. Because that is the right answer to any question that you could ask. Yep. That's it's almost the only answer. So, we suspect that in terms of risk, parents may think things coming out of the microwave may be somewhat safer than things coming off the stove, said study author Dr. Courtney Allen. She is a pediatric emergency medicine fellow at Emory University in Atlanta. Didn't really need to know that, but it's nice to have the bona, f- bona fides, you know? But yeah. since so many burns are caused by microwavable instant soup and noodles, any, quote, the quotes here, so this must be from elsewhere. Uh, I see. Any school-aged child consuming these products needs to be adequately supervised, unquote, she said. So I think we can sort of summarize this and the, yeah. the previous news pieces. is. Yeah. As, as you should summarize, uh, <laughs> summarize, you should supervise uh, hot liquids and people. Definitely. And reefers, too. And reefers. Yeah. So, there's a, then there's some... we can kind of deep in the weeds here with the science of, of microwave noodles. I'm not going to do that, but you can note that instant noodles absorb the liquid during cooking, which I guess is the definition <laughs> of a noodle dish. <laughs> so, there's that. People need to be more aware that these burns can happen. That is also... A so, I'm wondering if people actually think that uh, that something else is happening there, that, like, they're not being boiled in the traditional way. It's, it's a microwave... Con- Ugh. I don't even have a word for that. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty scientific. Coagulation. So they think... So w- so for people who are unaware of the need for liquid in a noodle situation, what do you think their interpretation of a noodle dish involves? Is it just biting into that stack of ramen or what? Well, there's a... Uh, just dip of, it. No, yeah. Dip it or even just sort of like <coughs> chew on them. Okay. Uh, yeah. You, just, you could just drop some soy on there. Get a little cup of soy maybe Ooh, soy sauce dip it in soy mm, love it got yourself some really nice uh, I'm snacks in the, th- there. i'm in for the afternoon oh yeah oh man all right last news item here uh iceland monitor mbl.is again <laughs> thank you for your for your service and for highlighting i mean doing exactly what you profess to do monitor things happening in iceland here we go first dog to become first icelandic dog to be cloned do you need me to read that sentence again (laughs) first dog to become first icelandic dog to be cloned do you know where i'm going so this is this is the actual title of the news piece first dog to become first icelandic dog So is this the first... uh, This is the dog of the president. It's the forseti whatever. The president who I do not support. He is too nice. Well, so you're going to tell me about this. Former president of Iceland... Oliver Ragnar Grimson oh, he is not nice disclosed on morning show Morgan Kaffith should we be aware of that show should they have Mor- us on Morgan I- Kauffet, look us up I feel like it's a bit odd that they've they've not asked us yet no we sh- I haven't checked the email inbox since we started producing this show this so maybe great. they've reached out on ours2 that former first dog Saumur is to be cloned former first lady Dorit Musaif has sent a DNA sample from of the dog to the USA, where he will be cloned upon his death. Aha. Uh-huh. Dorit, here's a quote from Grimson. Dorit saw this bitch at a farm and really liked her, and realized that the Icelandic sheepdog was a very special breed, said Grimson, who told the radio station that he got his wife a dog because he loved her so much. The dog or the... Wife, I think uh, he lost the dog there you know. was a photo of the wife she's, she's a striking lady she is a very striking lady she's actually uh, it's kind of odd that they call her the first lady because she was the second lady for him, yeah. Oh, okay. He had a first first lady. She uh, she passed away, though. Well, too many numbers, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, and also. Well, I was rest just in wondering, peace. like uh, calling her the first lady when she's obviously the second lady. It's uh, it's a bit odd. You don't want to highlight that, I guess. It's yeah. too political. It's too hot. Ah, that's true. Uh, Ms. Musayef ended up getting a puppy from the bitch at the farm and named him Salmer. That is not a quote. That's just your news. Grimson says he was hesitant about the decision to have Salmer cloned and that it was entirely his wife's decision. So has it been cloned already? He said that DNA samples from Salmer had been sent to Texas and that his cells could be cloned at any time. Ah, So you uh, you provide the service in Texas? That doesn't surprise me. Go bigger, go cloned, is what they exactly. say in Texas. So, so uh, could we CRISPR him um, to be bigger, like genetic engineering? So, like, oh, like a super dog? Yeah, super dog. Oh, I guess you could. The same way that they sort of modify tomatoes to be really large, right? Exactly. Uh, in those movies, and like there's movies. no bones in tomatoes anymore, so. Mm. So and that's uh, Apparently this dog is quite old He's 11 mm. So there's a good chance that his, his bones have wasted away as well Exactly so, so we could probably engineer a dog without bones For uh, consumption Sounds delicious mm. Mm. Sign me up Paulson furthermore stated that as far as he knows This is the first Icelandic pet to be cloned Can you verify that as a, as a local? Is yes a local? I know everyone here And uh, mm-hmm. I know all the dogs And this is in fact true excellent we are now going to proceed to the home stretch of the program in which we do a little and we talk about the sagas of the states as we all now know iceland is a manuscript culture you take your sagas very seriously you're always going on about them i can't have a conversation without them coming up Exactly. exactly And, and in fact, uh, with regards to this, I want to butt in uh, with a slight uh, saga myself. (laughs) Is this the Vol songs again? Because you said that as soon as you came in today, this afternoon, and heard yeah, it yeah, in the dragon and Freya and, and all of it. I, I it think all. we're gonna have like uh, we, we do have like two hours for poetry reading, right? That's we're doing the poetry slam after after this bit. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Exactly. Okay. So I'll I'll hang on then. I noticed you brought several volumes with you, several tomes. Yes, I've I I had to uh, bring a suitcase full of uh, full of tomes this time rather than my traditional briefcase because uh, that's why. I only read from the original text. And next time it's a steamer trunk and, uh, of uh, scrolls, right? Anyway, but it's only for your pleasure. Well, uh, allow me to pleasure you oh, pleasure with, me with some of the the tales. Because, again, you're not the only country on the planet, Iceland. There's a place called... I beg to differ. The United States of Bandarikianam, right? Mm-hmm. Which kind of means all the same thing, is my under- loose understanding. Uh, again, still in mid study of your language, haven't haven't quite pinned it down yet. Yeah, Pantarikin. It means yeah. uh, a band, a, of a Rickians. united states mm-hmm. of some description. Yeah, those are the ones that I come from. Yeah. Well, there's some it's of them the anyway. Same one? I mean, boy, not to get political here, but I wonder a bit if they have unit. any uh, have any sort of sagas of their own. Maybe uh, this is a great question. And you know what? Actually, I've got one of them right here. You have it prepared. I've got it prepared for you. I've uh, it's on loan from the National Library of Congress or whatever it's called. Probably came from Thomas Jefferson, old TJ's library, oh, yeah. which he had to sell to pay off his many debts. Was he related to BJ? <laughs> yeah, old old TJ, old Tom Job. <laughs> That's what they called him. That's what the other founders called him. Tom Job. Tom Job. Yeah. <laughs> anyway so we're gonna I'm gonna share with you this is a little culture exchange and and in advance I will say you're welcome you're you're all gonna learn something so let's cue up the uh, the dramatic music do you feel like that set the mood I feel like uh, I'm in the mood for some Austrian uh, folklore (laughs) I don't have that for you. And the couple a little bit uh, kind of wishy-washy, a little too romantic, too, too much brass for my taste. That's true. Many moons ago, it was an age of heroes and a time of conflict. And in that time lived a mythological warrior by the name of Anthony, a man of sport who lived and died by the very fists he flew with such fury. Anthony was a man out of step with the ancient city in which he lived. And again, we see the warrior archetype come up here. Uh, yeah, yet it's again, prominent. it's very popular where, where I come from. And back back then, w- way back then. Where once he had found the congestion and corruption to be a healthy way for a hero to test one's temerity, he now found himself at a crossroad. For you see, Anthony had a daughter, as carefree and precocious as anyone would want their daughter to be. But the daughter's cares were very much not free. In fact, the price she had to pay was a black eye received from local street toughs who had never been taught to not hit girls. Again, this is a long time ago. It was a very violent time. Yeah. Just custom. Custom for hitting girls. uh, Uh, Well, apparently. It's tradition. Apparently. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) To the moon, Alice. Those days. Yeah. Fearing for the safety of his daughter and understanding that it would not do to be seen beating the shit out of a couple of eight-year-olds, no matter how much bullying they had done, Anthony looked within himself and within the want ads for a new path for he and his baby girl. Finding a listing in the realm of Connecticut that he had neither the qualifications nor any indication he would be hired, Anthony made the impulsive decision to abandon the family apartment to a character actor who once sold the Ghostbusters their firehouse and move his daughter Samantha to this strange place. Again, with neither shelter paid nor prospects promised whatsoever. That's how bad the situation was. Indeed. Anthony arrived at the house of his prospective employer, a baroness of such golden tresses that it was rumored in the village she was actually an angel sent from the heavens by the gods to protect their elitist ways. Being welcomed across the threshold into a home of such wealth and finery that the fineries themselves were entirely upholstered in lifelike flower-patterned textiles, Anthony soon found his heroic services called upon. The golden-haired angel had let out a cry, for she had stumbled into the den of snakes that her son, the rambunctious Jonathan, kept as a hobby, from which he would draw and consolidate their serpentine powers. Mm. Anthony came to the rescue, handling the beast with dexterity and fearlessness, as was his way, and all was again right with the mortal world. Yet the golden-haired angel was confused, for heroes do not typically appear at one's door in the form of an award-nominated taxi-driving supporting role. Yet all of this was as presented. Anthony was little more than an unskilled former boxer playing the part of an equally unskilled former baseball player. And yet truth was soon told when it was revealed that Anthony had actually been summoned via red-haired siren song. The golden-haired angel was outraged that her mother, the hypersexual Mona Nymph, would present her with such an unworthy servant. Didn't she, the champion of the household, deserve better for her family? Was the happiness and success of her clan not worth more than what could be brought by a young widower who had emerged from the slums of obscurity, whose entire starring presence was based on the wayward advice of needing a strong masculine presence around as administered by the unseen and worst child psychologists in the field? For it was soon revealed that the golden-haired angel was also a warrior, and the weapon she wielded was a flare for business. Yet such power is not infallible, and it was soon revealed that she was entangled in a torrid love affair with her workplace manager, Grant. This silver-haired chieftain turned out to be the very boss that was always in question, and he thirsted more than any man had ever thirsted for the affections of the Judith light-haired angel. As he swung his mighty tongue at her mouth, she dropped a piece of the finest enchanted china upon the ground, so consumed with ecstasy was she. But the crash of the enchanted China had awoken the light-sleeping and flatware-enchantment-sensitive Anthony, who rushed into the Kitchen of Sin, weapon in hand. Mm. Any questions so far? No, I think it's quite clear. I'm, uh, I'm very excited about... Uh, yeah, so um, we're at kind of a cliffhanger moment here. Indeed. It seems like the entire uh, Enterprise is going to pivot on what happens next. No battle would be fought that day, as the bellowing titans engaged in mere brutish verbal discourse... Alas, Grant's thirsts was never slaked, and he huffed away from the house like a jag-off. Anthony, clearly over his head and apparently adherent to an ancient code of purity, attempted to scold the angel for her promiscuity. However, being a warrior herself, Judith Light stood her ground as a romantically unattached angel and defended her right to make out with any hunky chieftain she liked. Simple Anthony which might have made a great name for this particular saga, is incapable of understanding the depths of her multidimensional character, forcing her to delve deeper into justifying that which is none of his business. She proclaimed that she liked Grant because he's a chiller and wanted to dance, but also admitted that the intervention of chastity may have cost her a promotion. For his part, Anthony succeeded in giving her an unasked-for-confidence-boosting pep talk, which is later projected onto the precocious Samantha. For he has also been forced to grow as a character, and deal with the slings and arrows that society has thrown at him for being a male hero in a traditionally stereotypical female role. Both Grant and Angela throw this incongruity in his face, but knocking him down only makes him stronger, and he embraces his feather duster with a rabid enthusiasm. And the lesson, hazy as it is, becomes encoded into the consciousness of the times, which, as a reminder, were many, many moons ago. How could Judith Light's Angela truly enjoy the company of a passive-aggressive man like this, and shouldn't she be acknowledging the value of her own self-worth independent of his horny affections? The moral being, any status achieved by putting out for Grant is a status unworthy of consideration. Empowered by her empowerment, Angela makes it clear to Grant that their impending fuckfest will have to wait until after the corporate restructuring, to which he responds with a promotion, most likely hoping this will grease the wheels. Mm. Whatever the outcome of their romance, Angela's merit is measured in a workplace-appropriate manner, Anthony is accepted as a fair maid... Mona remains turned on by the slightest movement and the children, Samantha and Jonathan, continue on as being both precocious and rambunctious, all of which proves that if one takes a chance and faces the wind, one might indeed find a brand new life, a brand new life, I'm sorry I lost my place for a second, oh here it is, a brand new life around the bend, which really does beg the question, who is the boss? And for the record, because we like to present everyone with all of the information available, the chain of command for this saga is as follows. Samantha is the boss of Jonathan and is also the boss of Tony. Angela is the boss of Tony too, also sheltering his daughter and so is the boss of Samantha, along with her heir, Jonathan. Grant is the boss of Angela and therefore Tony, Samantha and Jonathan. However, Mona is the mother of Angela and is therefore the boss of all her descendants and minions, while also holding sexual prowess and pure class over Grant. In conclusion, Mona is the boss. I very much appreciate the the sort of summary there with uh, who actually is the boss. Because that's just it's scholarly becomes, info. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 good to have the sort of summary. It's taken a long time to decode uh, a lot of that text, so yeah. that that's the end result. Uh, any th- any thoughts? Anything strike a chord with you? I was very very enthused by the sort of sexual nature of it and and how how there's a boss involved in in sexual oh, relationships. Yeah, power dynamic is sexy as hell, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how we do in the states exactly there's there's got to be a boss and there's got to be a a vulnerable young uh, non-boss exactly and i'll tell An you something underling. else if bruce was our boss we'd all be working overtime mm. so there you go anyway you're welcome sagas of the states and uh, in conclusion, thanks for the rest of the show as well, both of you for listening. We appreciate it. Twitter Jeremy, you are no longer online, but I'm sure you will be abusing us shortly. And uh, I don't know, you got anything else to say goodbye? Goodbye. The end. Uh, check us out on the social media and all that stuff, or don't. That's fine. We will see you next time. Vega Good Night. Riga, 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 la la la. la, la.